This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. I'm going to have you go to a couple of places, and by couple, I mean four different places in Scripture today uh, to kind of kick us off. Um, You'll have them on the screen, so if you don't have a Bible, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. What are you guys doing? Can you, I'm talking about all of y'all. Can you guys stand up? We're going to read, can you stand? We're going to read the word together. Come on, y'all know this ain't new. Uh, we're going to read together. We're going to stand and read his word this morning. Um, so do me a favor. So you're going to turn to chapter uh, to Matthew chapter 13. That's going to be the first place we're going to go, right? And if you're a super saint, you're going to go to Matthew chapter 18 at the same time. And you're a super, super saint, you're going to go to Deuteronomy 14. And everybody just tuned out right there. They're like, eh, yeah, not following. Uh, then we're also going to go to Ephesians. Again, if you don't have your Bible, if you can't thumb and flip that quick, or you don't have the gold tabs on your old King James Bible, don't worry about it. We'll put them on the screens. Um, so the first one uh, we're going to go through, we're going to go through Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46. We're going to look at that first. All right, so here's what it says. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Everybody say treasure. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Everybody say treasure. All right, Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to make these scriptures cohabitate here. Um, So Matthew chapter 18, verse 12 through 13. It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. Again, everybody say treasure. And then Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2. We're going to look at this as well. And we're going to look at this uh, in relation to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Again, everybody say treasure. For we are God's masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. One more time, everybody say treasure. Let's pray over this word. Lord, we thank you for this word that you are bringing this morning. I pray that I deliver it the way that you gave it to me, God. I pray that your will would be done in this space. Lord, I pray that as I deliver this word and it penetrates the heart of your people, I pray that they would not just hear the word, but they would become doers of your word. I thank you for what you're doing in this space. I thank you for how you're filling this atmosphere and changing our lives in this very moment. We thank you that you've called us out of the marvel, out of the darkness into the marvelous light, God, because we are chosen by you. We thank you for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody said amen. All right, now you can be seated. You can have your seat. Um, awesome. So we are kicking off this series today called Treasure. Um, and I lied. Everybody say treasure. And I, like, uh, like Liz over here, I'm thinking of the Bruno Mars song. I won't sing it this morning. Um, but that does come to mind <laughs> this morning. Um, but Treasure is this new series that we're kicking off. And before we kind of get deep into this, I just want to ask a question, and I want you guys to be honest. Have you ever created something that you thought it was the best thing you've ever made in your life? You ever created anything? Yes, there's a couple of honest people. Did you say probably? Probably. You thought it was the greatest thing you've ever made in your life. All right, so I'll, I'll add a little guardrails to this so you kind of get more hands up. But maybe if you're a cook and you made something, you're like, man, this is the best meal I've ever made in my life. Everybody thinks they make the best pasta in the world because it's so simple. Like, you don't have to do much. All you got to do is add a couple little things to make it different from somebody else's. But everybody believes they make the best pasta, right? Have you ever cooked something and you're like, man, that's, that's it. And you could come to church and you could bring it and everybody would say it was the best thing they've ever tasted. Anybody? 
No, I'm, I guarantee you, I will put my life on it. My mama make the best macaroni and cheese you have ever tasted in your life. And my daddy make the best ribs you have ever had in your life. I will put my life on it. I went to preach at this church last week, and it was a church that we grew up in. And, this, uh, and the pastor's wife, um, she makes peach cobbler. And every Sunday... It never fails. Every Sunday, everybody used to come up here, up to her and be like, hey, you got some peach cobbler today? Hey, you got some, like she was selling drugs or something and they were hooked. But that's because she made the best one. There was nobody in the church who made it like her. For us, for some of us creatives, we make things and creatives think everything they make is great, right? But we're so sensitive about what we create, we don't like to share it. But in our minds, we like, yeah, this is, this is it. They need me for this. Maybe if you're a musician or you sing or you write songs, you wrote one of the best songs you've ever wrote in your life last night. That's the same thing you said about the song you wrote before that. It was the best song you've ever made. Or like musicians, they, they, they were up here this morning like, hey, let's create some sort of intro, let's create this. And they probably thought that's the best intro we've ever created in our life. But we all have this one thing that we feel like we've done or we've created and we think it's the best thing we've ever done. Right? There's not, there's not any person in here who can say, look, I've never made anything that I'm proud of. We all have this thing that we, that we feel like we're proud of. I just, I just finished a semester of college where I wrote more papers, more 10-page papers than I've ever written in my life. And there was a moment where I had to look back at one of those papers and I said, that is, that is grade A right there. If I don't get an A on this, I'm quitting school because that was like on point. And then there was one time when I had this, uh, as, as an aspiring teacher, I had, I had this course where I had to create lesson plans. And, and the last project was like this huge lesson plan that had to involve all the different type of ways that people learn. Right, so you have your auditory learners. You have those people who learn just by hearing things. Then you have your visual learners. They learn by just seeing things. And then you have your people who like doing. Like, I can't sit still. I need to do something to learn. Well, I had to create a lesson plan for all of that. And in my mind, I thought, man, ain't nobody's lesson like mine. This is the best one that this teacher has ever seen. Mind you, she, at the beginning of the class, she was like, I've done this, this teaching. I've, I've taught this course or this type of course for 30 years. And still, I thought to myself, this is the best project you will ever see in your life. But we all have gotten to this place where we've created something and we think it's the best thing we've ever made in life. Can I tell you that when it comes to God, you are that thing. There is nothing that God has created that is better than you. He created you with so much to you. There's so much detail to you. There's so much intricacy to you that he created you and you were the best thing he's ever made. And in the word of God, it talks about after he made humankind, after he made mankind, only then did he think, man, this is very good. Like even he had a moment when he stepped back and was like, wow, I, I just have outdone myself with this one. And it was all because he had made you. And the beautiful thing about that is if you need any more proof is that when he created, he gave you specifically a task to do. From the beginning, he didn't tell the animals, hey, you need to go and do this. No, he created human beings and he said, I'm going to give you this to do and you are going to do this for me. He gave us the responsibility. And it's crazy to think that in that moment, he sat back on the seventh day and rested and said, creation is done, but yet he gave you the keys to creation. In a sense, he said, look, I'm done creating in this moment. Now you have the keys and you go create. And you now, here we are, because they created from the beginning. Can you imagine God saying, I value you so much that I'm going to give you the keys to what I created and now make you stewards over what I created? He created it and put you in charge of it. Come on, I don't even like people watching my kids. I, I, would, I would never, ever, I barely let my mama hold my new baby. But here God is, he creates, and then he says, now you try. Because he valued you so much. Because he thought of you so much. He didn't think so much of the whales and the fish and all that stuff. But he thought, man, I, I'm going to create something that's going to be able to carry on what I've been doing. And I'm going to give him my image. Top that. Out of everything he's created, you are the only one who is made in the image of God. The only one. 
I believe God had that moment after creation where he's like, this is the best thing I've ever created in my life. And it's only day six. And this is, I've created everything, the heavens and the earth, the fish in the sea, all of that stuff. I created all of that. And yet this is the best thing I've ever made in my life. We're made in the image of God. And I think for some of us, we just take that for granted that man, I am his creation. He made me. Everything that I come with, he made me just like this, and he thought it was good. There is not anything in you that God saw and said, ah, no, I'm not sure about that one, and still left you here. Can you imagine? Like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna create you, I'm gonna create you with this color hair, and I don't really like it, but I'm gonna send you down there anyway. Can you imagine? And not only that, but God thought so much of you that he gave you a purpose. There isn't any person in this room that God sent you down and said, oops, we forgot their purpose. Can you imagine God standing there saying, oh, oh, uh, the angels, oh, Lord, we, uh, you missed one. <laughs> that one right there has no purpose. And he just decided, oh, I'm going to leave them down there. That's all right. They'll fend for themselves. No, he thought you were so worthwhile that he gave you a purpose. Can I tell you in the most simplistic fashion, you are the treasure of God. You are his treasure. You are his prized possession. You are his. And he made you and everything that you come with, he finds beautiful and wonderful and of value. And I think we forget that sometimes. I think we, we believe that God is out to get us sometimes. That he created us, put us down here, and now causes us to go and struggle, and he doesn't even care about us. But it's not the case. Everything that you go through, everything that you deal with in life is because God values you. If he didn't value you, he would never put you through a test. If a teacher doesn't value their students, they won't let them take it. No, nah, he don't need to take the test. But this test is needed to pass. Don't worry about it. He doesn't need to pass. So you sit here and you go through things and you assume God hates me. He doesn't like me. When really God is saying, I want to make you better, so I'm putting you through this test. And then some of us think like, well, God hates me, and so that's why I never get the recognition that I, that I believe I desire. That's why I, I'm, I'm so gifted, but no one ever sees me. Some of the greatest treasure is hidden deep where nobody else can find. Think about it. With diamonds, you have to work to get to that diamond. It doesn't mean that diamond is any less valuable. It just means that you, in order to access it, in order to behold it, in order to have it as your own, you've got to do some more work. It's not easy getting to you. And God looks at us in the same way. God treasures you. God, you're, you're most valuable to God. You are more valuable to God than anything else. And you mean more to God than anything else. Look at this in Luke chapter 12 verse 4 through 7. I want to show you this scripture because um, I, I think it's really cool and I really love it, but, I, but it, it, it encapsulates the essence of what God thinks about you. It says, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. And that kind of, that's not the part because <laughs> that's kind of scary right there. Don't be worried about that person that can kill you. But continue on and hear what God says. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. That's not the part either. But keep reading and watch what God says. He says, yes, he's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. I don't take great detail in numbering the hairs on your head unless I find you valuable, unless I find you worth spending the time to do that. That in, uh, in, in the main text, in Matthew chapter 13, and, and, and we read that a moment ago, and, and in Matthew chapter 18, uh, the main text, we can look at that from, from two perspectives. Right, one way to look at that text, if you could bring that up, Matthew chapter 13, because it talks about uh, him hiding the field and then going back and giving up everything and purchasing that field. But you can look at it from two perspectives. You can look at it, one, from the perspective that this is what the kingdom of God is, as the scripture tells us. It tells us that the kingdom of God is one of worth that's so valuable 
that's so valuable. And it gives us a story about how this, this worker, he finds it, and then he goes and sells all his possessions just so he can buy the field. The kingdom of God is like that field. So you can look at it from that simple approach. The kingdom of God is like this. But you can look at it from the other approach, the other angle, which is more appropriate for this message. And we're talking about treasure. You can look at it from the angle of Jesus who found you so valuable that he gave up everything, bled and died just to come and redeem you. You are that field in the sense that you are in this earth, but yet he, find it worth, he found it worthwhile to die on the cross, to be bloody, to be broken, to be bruised, just to come and get you. In a sense, he gave up everything just for you. Everything just for you. So you can look at it from that angle. And then you can look at De Deuteronomy chapter 14 for, and in Ephesians chapter 2. And this is the why of why God, why God would give up everything. And it's because you are treasure. And it's because you are his, you are his handiwork. You are a work of art in his eyes. He sees you and thinks that is a masterpiece. I have created that one specifically. And how vast and how wonderful God is, is that every single one of you is a masterpiece in his eyes. There's not one of you that God looks at and thinks, I didn't do such a hot job on that one. Even in all your mess and all your scars and everything that makes you ugly on the outside, to God, you are still a work of art. To God, those scars on you are just like leather. The more scars a leather chair has it, the more beautiful it is. And that's how God sees you, your treasure. But I don't think we get that about God. I don't think we understand really what we mean to God. I don't think we get really what God has created us for and why he expects so much, why God puts so much in us and has such a demand on us. I don't think we really get it. But if we get this approach that we are his prized possession, then we'll understand it. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to try my best to give you, uh, I, I want to give you a couple things to help you understand. I want to give you six things to help you realize and understand who you are and what you mean to God. Six things, six really quick things. And in this series, we're going to be talking about treasure. And, 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 you're, and, and Pastor Sean is going to come up and he'll conclude the series and he'll finish it out and all that good stuff. And there's going to be some things he talks about as, as far as treasure being the spirit of the God that's on the inside of you. But before we get there, I think we have to understand our value to God first. So I get to set it up in that way and making sure we realize who we are to Christ. So then that way we can understand what the treasure truly is on the inside of us. Because not only are you treasure, but you have treasure on the inside of you. Double portion. So let's check this out. So the first thing here that we have to understand is that you are not created. Brace yourself, because this is a tough one. You are not created to be accepted. Very tough to hear. I know, I know you need someone to need you. And I know you want to feel like everybody loves you and you're so great and you're so wonderful. But the news flash is you were not created to be accepted. You weren't. If you're a follower of Christ, born again believer, you are not created to be accepted. And the word of God tells us that clearly you're not created to be accepted. When you think about art, when you think about a work of art, not everybody finds the same value in a piece of art. Not everybody sees the same thing. We could stand at a piece of art all day and you might just marvel over it and think, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And tears might come to your eyes. And I could stand there and think, well, it's just a dot. What, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Have you ever seen the, the Rocket Mortgage commercial? where they're in like the art gallery and the lady's explaining the piece of art and it's just a gray dot and she's explaining it and she's got all these details and then the guy comes in and he's like, it's just a gray dot. That's all she's trying to say. In so many words, it's just, a, for some of us, it's just a gray dot. For others of us, it's, wow, this is, this is so much detail and it's so intricate and it's so wonderful. Not everybody is gonna accept you. Not everybody is going to take you for what you are. Not everybody is going to see your value. You weren't created for everybody to see your value. You weren't accepted for that reason. Art is subjective. You are subjective. In God's eyes, you are the greatest thing that he's ever made. In your neighbor's eyes, I can't stand that lady. And her dog always running in my yard. 
to your coworker. I wish she would show up. Well, you should show up to work on time. But I wish she'd show up to work on time and actually work. Subjective. You weren't created to be accepted by everyone. You won't fit in. That, that is, that for some of us, that hurts. I, you mean I'm not going to be able to fit into this group? No, you were created to fit in. You were created to stand out. You were created to be a sore thumb amongst your peers. Not everybody can take you that way, but that's how God created you. God did not create you and expect you to be the lone ranger and to sit and be a fly on the wall and do nothing and be nobody's. God created you with purpose that's bigger than you, that surpasses your personality, that surpasses your characteristics. God created you with something that's so unique on the inside of you that he expects to stand out. That's the point of God creating us differently and separately and individually because if we're all the same, then how can we be effective in the kingdom of God? But if we are different and we can relate to different people, now we are evangelizing the world. And that is the call that God has on our life. You weren't created to be accepted. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul even tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And check this out, because this is where we kind of back it up, because I know people hear certain points, and they're like, well, I want some scripture, because if I don't get no scripture, then I don't believe a word you're saying. Well, I'll give you some scripture for it. In John chapter 15, verse 18 through 19, Look at what it says. It says, if the world hates you, this is, this is Jesus. Like, Jesus is such, I, can I say savage? Can I say Jesus is so real? Like, like 100. Jesus is like, look, if they hated you too bad, they hated me first. So don't be surprised. Like, no sympathy, kind of. Like, he's just like, look, I'm just telling you now, they ain't going to like you. They ain't going to like you. They didn't even like me, and I'm God in flesh. And he reminds us, like, look, they hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. So check this out. The only way for you to be accepted by everybody is if you were in the world, and you were like the world. Huh, that sounds contradictory to being a Christian. And I'm not saying that being a Christian, thanks Elmo for, for bigging me up over there and, and saying amen. But it's kind, of like, it's kind of like if you want everybody to accept you, then stop following Christ. If you want everybody to, if you want to be ingratiated with every circle, stop following Christ. I guarantee you'll start getting more friends. But it's always, when you look at it from being in the world, it's always quantity over quality. You'll have a ton of friends if you don't follow Christ. Everybody will love you. But the quality of people you surround yourself with will not take you anywhere. If you want to be accepted, if you want to be everybody's best friend, just stay in the world. Don't worry about following Christ. But if you want some people around you who are going to celebrate you, who are going to make you feel like you are the greatest thing in the same way that God views if you want somebody who's going to value you, if you want someone around you who is more about helping you than helping themselves, man, keep following Christ. Because you're going to find yourself around some people who would love nothing other than you to walk in your purpose. So you're not going to be accepted everywhere, and that's okay. That's that's what a work of art is, treasure. It's not accepted by everybody. Everybody doesn't find value in it. You won't make sense to everyone. And that's okay. Not everybody in your life is going to say, wow, she's a Christian, or wow, he's a Christian, and I just love their walk with God. No, some of them are going to say she's weird, and she's a part of a cult, and they've gotten to her, and they've gotten in their head, and they've brainwashed her, and they've made her think that this God that they can't even see is better than us, and we're their family. Well, God even says in the Bible, look, you have to give up your family. You have to give up and walk away from everything to follow me. So you're not going to be accepted. You won't fit in. You won't make sense to everybody, but that's okay. Treasure doesn't always make sense to some people. Some people find treasure in other things, and some people find treasure in things that you would find as trash. It won't make sense to everything. 
And here's the thing about it is that even hearing this, you shouldn't alter who you are just to be accepted. Something that is really a work of art should never be touched, should never be altered. If it is truly a work of art and a treasure, you don't want to touch it. You want to put it in a case so that nothing happens to it. Don't change who you are just so you can be accepted. You weren't called to be accepted by everyone. Everyone is not going to get you, and that's okay. And it brings me to my next point, which is this. You are not meant to be accessible to everyone. If we look at being accepted as everyone being able to get you, then looking at being accessible, everyone can't get to you. Everyone can't get to you. Everyone can't go where you're going. Everyone can't ride with you for the rest of your life. There are some people who are going to have to get off when their stop has come. Everybody can't go with you. As a treasure, I am, I am hidden, and I might have a season where I have to be discovered again, or I am hidden by God, and that is my moment where he's pruning me, where he's making me better, where he's building me up. Everybody can't go to that space. There was a point in time in my life when I came back to church, because I was out here sinning, y'all, like, big time. And you know what's bad about it is because I knew, like, I should be in church? I mean, think about it. My dad had a church, and I still was like, nah, I'm not trying to. I mean, at the very least, you would want to help your father with something. But I was like, nah, I'm good. And then I went through this season where God had to strip everything away from me. Every, and not everybody could come in that space. I couldn't bring everybody with me in that season. Because what he was doing is he was trying to get me to a place where I would walk in my purpose. And sometimes we're so hard-headed about what God has called for us. And what we mean to God is that we step out of the will of God. And when we step out of the will of God, in order to get us back in that space, sometimes God has to break us down. And in those seasons where you realize everybody can't get to you. Everybody can't be a part of your journey. Everybody doesn't have a place in your future. But that's okay. That's okay. Everybody can't be accessible. You can't be accessible to everyone. Not, not, there's people that are going to come in your life and you are going to want to make them a part of your inner circle. You can't do that. Everybody is not meant to get so close to you that they know your personal business and they know everything about you. And they know because there's some people who will want to get close to you just for the benefit of using what you disclose to them against you. There are some people who just want to keep, like Pastor Jay said a couple weeks ago, there are some people who want to be a part of what you're doing just to keep you down. There's going to be some people that you're going to have to strip and get rid of, that you're going to have to walk away from, that you're going to have to say, look, you can't be in this. There's some people who are going to have to stay at the door, right? Because when it comes to your life, there are levels to has, who has access to you. There are some people that you only keep at the door. Knock on that door, you can only come this far. There's some people that you allow into the family room, and that's the place where it's just all nice, and you don't want to, you, you okay, like we cool, we all right, but we ain't that cool. And then there's people that can go in the living room, and those people, you cool with those people. They can see a little bit more of your junk, but then there's the kitchen, and not everybody should have access to your kitchen. Not everybody should be able to come into your space where you disclose everything, all the roaches, all the dirty ditches, all the mess. Everybody can't be in that space because some people will use that against you. The people you let in that space are the people who are going to say, oh, this is all right. We can make something out of nothing in this space. Those are the people you want accessible to your life. As treasure, you've got to guard yourself. Not everybody wants, not everybody sees the value in you. Some people just want to pawn you off. Some people just want to, I just want to get close enough to use them. And when I'm done, I'll let them go. Everybody can't hold on to you. Everybody can't be a part of what you're doing for the entirety of your life. Everybody can't speak into your life. There are some people who see you succeeding and hate it. And if they can get close enough to speak and put something in your ear, they will. If it deters you from your purpose, that's... That if I can do that, that, that's all I'm here for. As long as you don't get far, I'm good. Everybody is not meant to be accessible to you. 
And I love this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. It said, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And what that word holy really means is just be set apart. Don't feel like you have to, like everybody has to come along with you. There's some people that you're going to have to say, uh, I'm just, I need, a, I need a season of being holy. I need a season where I'm just set apart from every, everything else. I need a season where I just, we just can't, this is not going to work. After this season, maybe, you might, maybe, but this is not going to work right now. I need a season where I can step aside and see, God, what is it that you want from me? How can I walk in my purpose? How can I be the treasure you've called me to be? And there's some people who won't be able to fit into that space. You can't be, in so many words, you can't be easily get at a bow by everyone. Everyone can't have access to you. Here's the next one. Um, and this is a challenging one. Uh, you are not purpose to be average. You are not purpose to be average. God did not put a purpose that is bigger than you just for you to be so-so. And I know sometimes we like that. Average is comfortable sometimes. I like being average. I like just flying under the radar, just chilling, being comfortable. I don't like to make myself. That's God didn't call you to sit back and be average. You know what average looks like? Average looks like, God, I know you've called me to serve, but I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to be right here. God, I know that you've called me to give, but everybody's not giving. Can I just not give this season? You weren't called to be average. You were called to walk in a purpose, a purpose that is so much bigger than you, so much more involved than what you may be used to, but that is okay because he gives you the grace to fulfill that purpose. He gives you the grace to walk in that. But at the end of the day, God is looking at you and he's saying, what else you got? Because you just sitting back and waiting for and letting everybody else serve and letting everybody do what you know I've called you to do, that's being average. And he's saying, I didn't call you to do that. I didn't call you to be that. I didn't call you to be just another employee at the job. That's not what being a light is. I didn't call you to just be this. I called you to do so much more. I didn't call you to walk around in the marketplace and be just a regular old shopper. I called you to be a light in that place. When everything is dark and you decide to be dark, you're average. When everything is dark and you decide to shine your light, you're now above average. And you're extraordinary in that space. And that is where God calls you to be. Average looks like hiding your light under a bowl so no one else sees it. Average looks like being in the valley because you choose to be rather than being on top of the hill like he called you to be. Average looks like you taking a back seat when God has called you to drive in your purpose. God didn't call you to be average. He called you to step above the average. He called you to rise above the norm and be more than what you expect yourself to be. Ask for more out of you. Ask for it. Ask for it. God didn't call you to just sit still. God called you to be so much more than that. And sometimes we walk in this space of, and seasons of being just average and not doing what God has called us to do. And what that looks like is us not stewarding our purpose the right way. God has given you a purpose. Your responsibility is to steward that purpose, meaning I've got to be mindful of what it is you want me to do with this thing, God. If all I can do is pray about it right now, I'll pray about it, but at least I'm doing something. I want to steward the gift that you've given me the best way that I know how, and sitting on it means I'm average, and God didn't call you to be average. All right, just a warning. I'm going to read the scripture to you. It's kind of long. Just brace yourself, because it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's, it's creeping into the top 10 on my list of scriptures. It's so good. In Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 6, we're going to start in verse 6 through 21, okay? Uh, all right, so here's what it says. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Not just for doing certain things, but to do them well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Some of you have the gift of prophecy and you're sitting back. This is weird. No, it's not weird. It's what God has put on the inside of you. You dream dreams and you see things for a reason. Now what you need to do is pray about it. God, how do I use this for your glory? 
do it well is what he says. Verse 7, it says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach them well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. Don't just give, give generously. This is being above average. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All of this that he's saying, if you have a gift for, he's not just saying just do that. He's saying do it well, do it gladly, give generously, live above the average with your gift and your purpose. As a treasure, do more than what you expect. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That takes work. And verse 11, woo, we hate verse 11. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Don't just serve the Lord, but do it with enthusiasm. Walk into the house of God ready. Lord, what do you need me to do? Where can I be a blessing to somebody today? How? That looks like you not needing the platform every single Sunday. That looks like you not needing the spotlight every single Sunday. There are people who serve in this church that never get recognition, but they still do it with an open heart and an open spirit. And God rewards that because they're living above the norm. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Ooh, we hate that one too. Bless those who talk about you. Bless those who don't like you. Bless those who look at you like you're crazy. Bless those who tell you you're nothing. Bless those, do not persecute them. Don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. In verse 15, again, we're talking about not being average. Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And isn't, that so, isn't that so hard? When you feel like you know something, you just want to tell, I got it all together. Don't you even worry. You want to know about theology? I will tell you. I got it all together. The word of God says, look, don't act like you know it all. And sometimes we read that and we think like, oh, be okay being in the company of ordinary people. Well, isn't that being average? No, because you're humbling yourself in that moment. To humble yourself in that moment is not an average trait. To show humility, everybody doesn't show humility. But God says, be willing to do that. In verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone and see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Then verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Aren't you glad that God gets angry for you? Like you don't have to worry about breaking a sweat. He does it for you. Then it says, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is what it means to live above average. You are not purposed to be average. Now, here are three things that we have to understand that we are. Those are some things that you are not. You are not meant to be accepted by everyone. You are not meant to be average. You are not meant to be accessible to everyone. Here's some things that you are, and this is where you can celebrate. This is where you can get excited. I know those first three points was like, shoot, I got it. I had it all twisted. But here's some points that you can celebrate. The first one, you are God's prized possession. I don't know if I can say it more and, and any simpler than that. You are God's prized possession. He looks at you and he marvels at you. He looks at you and he sees beauty when everybody sees ashes. He looks at you and sees purpose when everybody sees nothing else in you. When nobody else believes in your potential, he already sees you in the place at the end of your potential because you are his prized possession. You are most valuable to God. Can I give you some more realistic examples? What jeans are to Levi Strauss, that's what you are to God. 
what Kobe Bryant is to basketball, that's what you are to God. Because Kobe is the greatest, so you are the greatest to God. Think about that. Think of any great invention. What the Mona Lisa is, that is what you are to God. You're his treasure, your prize, you're his possession. Can I, can I say it to you this way? God loves you so much and values, values you so much that you were worth Jesus to him. Wow. Wow. I am worth Jesus to God. Think about it. His only begotten son, he watched him be crushed and beaten and broken. And the whole time he had you in mind. You talk about me sending my son to die for you? You out of your mind. But God values you so much that he said, son, it is my will that you would die for them. Three times Jesus asked, take this from me. Please, God, if it's, if it's your will, please take this from me. Three times to the point where he's in agony and he's bleeding and he's, God, God, please, if you can take this from me, take it from me, please, whatever you have to do. If we can go a different route, can we reroute this thing? Can we do something differently? I'll, I'll give up Peter. I'll give up James. Can we, give, can we make one of them a sacrifice? And God says, no. You, you are so valuable to God that you are worth Jesus. your own worth. You've got to understand your own worth to God. If we understand our worth to God, then the, our, our, our quality of living would change tremendously. We would continuously that God is, and we would continuously see that God is for us and not against us. We would continuously see that God has our best in mind and not the worst. That God expects us to be up, not down. That God wants us to prosper. Yeah, there's a process we have to go through to get to it, but all that process is, is love. That's all it is. The rod, the rod of reproof imparts correction. It makes you better. If God didn't love you, he wouldn't put you through a process where you had to be broken and beaten. He wouldn't put you through that process. He wouldn't let you just be an average person. But he loves you more than that. You are his prized possession. Can I tell you, this is the moment where you can breathe a sigh of relief because you are admittedly an unfinished work of art. So this is where you can, oh, finally, whew, you mean I don't have to be perfect? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying to you. Because think about it, even when you weren't perfect, he still died for you. That's the beauty of the cross is that the cross happened thousands of years ago, but yet and still today, it still matters that what he did back then is what he's doing today. He died on that cross for everything you did and what you will do. So even when you're not perfect, it doesn't change that he died on the cross. Can you believe that? That even if I sin today, it doesn't change what he did on the cross. There is still forgiveness. There is still redemption. Now, Paul reminds us, does this mean that we can keep sinning? No, it just means that you need to respect and honor the grace that God has placed on your life. That yes, he saved you and he's called you and yes, you're chosen, but that doesn't mean I get to keep sinning. It means that I don't have to be perfect, that I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to slip up. I'm going to fall back sometimes. But at the end of the day, when all is said and done, when I can get on my knees at the end of the evening and say, God, I know I've messed up. God is still there to wrap his hands around you because he understands that you are not perfect. You are still unfinished. You still got some flaws. There's still some edges that need painting. There's still some areas that still need some contouring. There's still some areas that still need to be developed and built up. And God is willing to wait for you. He understands that you're not perfect. Did you, and this is a little bit of trivia, as I was going through this message, I started looking up the Mona Lisa. Did you know that the Mona Lisa was left unfinished? It is unfinished. Per the creator of that piece, it is still unfinished because this particular artist never finished anything. And yet it's still, guess what? It is the most valuable piece of art today. An unfinished work of art. That is what you are to God. You are not perfect, but you are still more valuable than anything else he's created. 
that is what we've got to hold on to. That I'm still unfinished, and he's still working on me, but God, in his eyes, I am perfect. I am, I am perfect. Not just good enough, but I am perfect in his eyes. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. Every scar you've got on you, every battle scar, every wound, both externally and internally, all of that means something to God. All of that means something. You are valuable. You're an unfinished work of art. You are a work in progress. And he is okay with that. That doesn't mean you're average. It only means you're average if you stop the progress. If you stop working towards righteousness and you stop working towards living the life that God has called you to live, then you start to live below what God expects. But when you continue and progress and allow God to work on you, you are still in his favor. You are still perfect in his sight. The last point is this. You are protected by God. As his treasure, as his work of art, you are protected by him. He covers you wherever you go. The grace that you have on your life is he covers you even when you're in a situation you shouldn't be. And you know you shouldn't be in that situation. Yet he still protects you. Every single one of us in this room have a story of when we were in a place that we shouldn't have been. And we knew we shouldn't have been there. And yet we are sitting in the seats that we're sitting in today. Why? Because God protects you. He covered you. You thought all that prayer was just fancy talk, and you thought all, all your grandmother was doing was, was rebuking you. You, th you thought all this, all this stuff. No, that was the protection. That was the alarm being set over your life so that wherever you went, no one could get in. No one could touch you. No one could get at you. God was protecting you the whole time. And I love it. I love the book of Job. I love how Job starts and ends. I love how God is having a conversation with the devil. And God is so confident in who he is and what he's created that he says, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? Don't do this, this, and this, but you can do whatever you want to him. And Job was broken down and he was beaten and he, was, he lost everything. And yet he rose from out of that because God was watching over him the whole time time. I'm here to tell you when it feels like God is forsaking you, God is still staring right at you. God is overshadowing you. God is covering you. God is your shade. And when things get rough, when things get tough, when things get heated, God is your shade. God is your refuge. God is your strong tower. And all he expects for you to do is to run into him. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing. It doesn't matter how deep in you are. If you would just run into his strong tower, he'll protect you. This whole time he's been covering you, and that's what you do with the work of art. When you are in possession of something that is considered a work of art, you protect that thing. That's why the Mona Lisa is covered in, in, in glass and plastic, and it is kind of cemented into a wall. You can't pull that thing out even if you try because it's protected and it's covered. And not only that, but there's a barrier around it. So even when I get close to it, I can't get too close to it. And that's what God does with every single one of your enemies, every single one of your insecurities, every single one of your doubts. They can get close, but they can't get close enough to destroy you. The enemy, that's all he wants to do. He just wants to destroy you. But the enemy is so dumb that he does not realize that even when you are off your game, God is still watching over you. And that's the beauty that we have in the God that we follow, is that he protects you. Being God's treasured possession, your safety is guaranteed in him. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this room this morning. I want to share uh, this scripture, and this is the scripture that we've kind of used as the focal point for this series. And it's, it's one that when Pastor Sean was thinking of it, I told him, I said, look, man, we got to, as much as we can, can we highlight the scripture? And every, everything we post on social media, can we mention this scripture somewhere? Because I think it's important for us to see this, to hear it over and over and over until we get it. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And then verse 10, this is, the, this is the most important part of this. In verse 10, it says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And what this means is that being tr a treasure of God's and him finding value in me. The other part about this, if I could give you a bonus point, is that he thought you were so worthwhile that he said, I want to put my spirit on the inside of that one. Nobody in history except for human creation in this day and age. He said, I find so much value and I find them so much of a treasure that I wanna put some treasure of my own on the inside of them. So it's the life and, and the death of Jesus that we hold close to our heart and close to our chest that gives us the power. What Paul was talking about is that I, it's not about me. And the last thing I want you to do is walk out of this room and think like, man, yeah, I'm treasure. So yeah, bow down to me because I am God's treasure. That's the last thing I want you to think. What I want you to walk out thinking is that God found me so valuable. He put his spirit on the inside of me and he allows his spirit to work in me so nothing can harm me. A scripture that we misconstrue all the time is this idea that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We love that scripture. We love to say it, but do we really understand what it means? Because in the moments where we face the difficult times and the hardship in our life, we look to that scripture and we say, but God, what? Oh, this is what your word says, and, but yet it feels like it's prospering. It feels like it's hurting. But what we forget is that he said it wouldn't be, it, it won't prosper, not that it won't be formed. So yeah, you're gonna face some tough times. You're gonna face some difficulty. You're gonna, you're gonna feel perplexed. You're gonna feel crushed. You're gonna feel like you're destroyed. But at the end of the day, there is nothing in this world, nothing the enemy can throw at you, nothing your peers can throw at you, nothing your family or friends, nothing your spouse can throw at you that will prosper. If we have this mentality that Paul has that man, yes, I am his treasure, but at the end of the day, more importantly, he has put treasure in me. Now we can live a life where we understand who we really are to God. So Lord, I thank you this morning for what you've been able to do in this place. I thank you for this word, God, that I am still meditating on, God, that I am still learning myself, God. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.